you caught my last episode, it was on everything about reflecting on year. And I thought this would be such a good episode to that was just timely with right now. And it's all about uh, reflecting on your own self-sabotage habits. Let's get into it. Welcome to Storytelling Secrets. This is the podcast for coaches, consultants, and course creators who want to unlock their core stories and use their stories to sell more online. It's a place to master persuasion and influence so you can build a deep relationship with your audience. And it's a place where real-world marketing strategies, tips, and lessons are shared freely. If that interests you, then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Jules Dan, and I've battled my way from being a broke group fitness instructor to a full-time, in-demand, freelance email copywriter. Now, I'm ready to get to work. Follow along on my journey as I share my everyday hard-won lessons. I'm Jules Dan, and this is Storytelling Secrets. So for all my ladies listening out there, I don't know how many of you are there, but this might be an episode you're interested in because I've brought on a guest called Lucy Orton, and she hosts the podcast Self-Sabotage to Success. And a lot of the work that she does, well, not a lot, but uh, some of the work that she does, she works a lot of work one-on-one with female purpose-led entrepreneurs to help them banish their the mindset of grand gremlins and have a quantum leap in their business success. I completely stuffed that word up. Success. So I wanted to bring her on today. Even if you are not like, even if you are a dude, okay, we all kind of self-sabotage sometimes, don't we? So I wanted to bring on Lucy to talk about some of the telltale signs, some of the the regular bad habits that we all fall into. Like I said, it's a period of time to reflect. So I thought it would be a really good opportunity to have this conversation with Lucy. Without further ado, here's my interview with Lucy Orton. And if you want to go check her out, I'm going to leave a podcast in the show notes below, which is called Self-Sabotage to Success. G'day, this is Jules Dan here from Storytelling Secrets. I'm joined by Lucy Orton from the Self-Sabotage to Success podcast. Lucy, thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. It's fantastic to be here. Yes, and we're at opposite sides of the world at the worst times possible, and I'm so <laughs> glad you're here with me. Uh, but Lucy, I, I'm really glad um, you came onto the show. It's a bit later. I do appreciate it. I know it might be at the end of the day, but let's just have a bit of a chat. We're talking about something really important. I find so many entrepreneurs stuff this up without even trying. It's self-sabotage. Um, I know there's a few other topics we'd love to dive into, but First, I'd love to learn a little bit about you, your business, um, and what you're focusing on right now. Thanks so much, Jules. And yeah, it's it's kind of antisocial for both of us, which feels fair, but also <laughs> I feel like you got the rougher end of the stick, so I'm a bit of a now. Oh, night no, I, owl. I, wouldn't do, I wouldn't do the nighttime one. No chance. <laughs> well, then, then we've done it right, because I'd rather do 9pm than 6am. So yes, thank you so much for having me and for... Um, dealing with my tricky Northern Hemisphere time zone. But yeah, I'm Lucy Orton. I'm an anti-self-sabotage coach. I'm an imposter syndrome expert. I'm a podcaster. And I'm also a consultant to organizations to retain female talent. I'm really passionate about female empowerment in all its forms, whether that's business owners and real purpose-led female entrepreneurs, or whether that's amazing female talent within organizations. I do also love empowering men um, but my focus is primarily women and um, yeah I absolutely love what I do and I'm a, like you I love podcasting it's absolutely brilliant yeah what do you like about podcasting most I get a lot of podcasters on here one because 
they're awesome to talk to. They're not, <laughs> sometimes you get really bad guests who just don't know how to interview. And uh, I think podcasters understand what an interview is about, but enough about me. I'm curious to know that. What do you really like about podcasting? Oh, I love everything about it. I find it brilliant. I think I like to chat. So, you know, I like the sound of my own voice, which, <laughs> which sounds awful. I, I prefer the sound of my own voice, for example, to watching myself on video. So that comes easily to me and always kind of has. Um, but I really love the conversations that I end up having in real time. So the messages that I get, the interactions yeah. that I get, it yeah. feels like throwing something out there, but you get so much back for it. Um, and I like the uh, discipline. So the fact that I turn up and I show up every week and that is my main form of content. It's my commitment to my listeners. I know that there are some listeners waiting for it for their dog walk on a Wednesday morning, UK time, or yeah. they are um, taking it on their run. And I just love being that kind of voice in their ear. My podcast is supposed to be really nurturing, really encouraging and empowering. And I love that role that I get to play, that kind of intimate, friendly um, content provider um, compared to some of the other forms like um, blogging to me isn't as intimate, isn't as uh, exciting. But it really suits me. And, and I don't find it a chore, even though it's a lot of work. It's a lot of content um, yes. creation. Yes. It just feels easy to me. So I love yeah. it. And you do one solo episode a week or, or how many do you do a week? I just do one a week at the yeah. moment. Um, I admire you for doing more than one a week. That's amazing. Just two, just two. Um, two's amazing. That's yeah. so, that feels like, you know, double the workload. Um, but no, I do one a week and it's usually solo. I do a couple of interviews every kind of couple of months, usually with empowered female entrepreneurs. And I agree with you when I've interviewed podca other podcasters, it's absolutely brilliant because they mm. just are fantastic to yeah. interview. Exactly. Um, I'd really like to, well, I'm planning on starting a second podcast. I'm trying to pace myself because I've got a lot going on in the business at the moment, yeah. but I'm really excited to start a second one. I'm greedy um, and I'm going to do a, a second podcast, which is going to be more targeted at leaders within organizations. So very similar topics, but just with that different uh, angle. Mm, okay. Interesting. So leaders within organizations, are you going to be talking about some of the stuff we're going to be talking about, which is a hot topic, self-sabotage? Absolutely. It's a different reason behind why they want to know about it, obviously, because mm -hmm. sometimes it's um, going to be more about the profit margins of the organization, the retention rates and all that kind of corporate stuff. Yes. Um, but the, the foundation and the topics will be so similar because women and leaders and business owners all mm -hmm. self-sabotage in different ways um, in similar ways. Sorry. They have the same mindset gremlins going on. They have the same issues with feeling confident with feeling like they shouldn't be there with feeling like they're an imposter in their role so it's really universal and that's why I said at the beginning I, I know I have lots of lovely male listeners mm -hmm. even though my content has this slight aim towards um, women yeah the female female talent because it's universal like we all do this stuff we don't sadly yet learn this stuff in school we don't understand right. how to unpick our own thinking and when we this is highlighted to us it can be quite a light bulb um, a lightning moment or a light bulb moment yep, yep, yep. Um, and make us really think wow that's kind of simple but why did why have I been doing this to myself for so long yeah it's it's I, I love deep diving into the unconscious mind because it does stuff without us even trying um, so I'm really curious to hear so uh, does it does self-sabotage normally happen 
at the beginning phase of someone starting a business or is no one immune and it just happens at every stage, beginning, intermediate and advanced, I guess? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think it happens at any stage. I think it's something that really successful people have often worked through and that their success is often linked to that overcoming of those mindset gremlins and overcoming Mm. of that self-sabotage but that's not always the case there's some hugely successful people I remember watching a um, documentary on Chris Martin and Coldplay and to watch him he was racked with self-sabotage with perfectionism with all sorts of things so musicians are just not good at the moment actors musicians people of fame yeah heaps of people use self-sabotage for whatever reason sorry I cut you off but keep going no that's fine no just it really is something that affects everyone but you're right to kind of point out if it's something which is particularly prevalent at the beginning and I think it's really important in those early couple of years of your business to overcome the mindset blocks because that's what will give you the spaciousness the ability to expand within your business the ability to feel that possibility and to believe that you've got it within you rather than having a negative kind of ongoing conversation with yourself so that you're almost an anti-co and not really helping yourself progress so I am very passionate about early stage entrepreneurs I work with quite a few entrepreneurs who are kind of two years in that's a really nice um, time to sort of work with someone because they've got the yeah they've got the practicalities of the business they know what they're doing they've got the strategy but sometimes those gremlins are remaining and they're not quite believing in their own expertise or their own um, abilities so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so what are those common thought loops that people get stuck in? They're competent in what they do, in what they do, but what holds them back? What are, What's those things that they might negatively tell themselves unconsciously? Think, yeah. It, so much of it is unconscious or it's not something that they've ever sat down and thought about. One of the things I often say in workshops that I run and in coaching sessions is who's the biggest influence in your life so far? And people will list off like a teacher or their mom or their dad or mm-hmm. a brother or a really great friend or mentor. And they never say themselves and they never realize that actually, you know, we're with ourselves 24 seven. So that negative self-talk, that ongoing bickering little you know talking point in your mind is what can hold you back the most and and that expresses itself with all manner of different thinking styles so I touched upon perfectionism which is an absolutely huge one obsessive thinking where we ruminate and go over and over something again and again overthinking that is yeah I just made a podcast on Monday about that I'm guilty of that one It's absolutely common. It's so Mm. common. And it's one of those things where we kind of imagine that if we overthink something, we're going to create a solution. We're going to somehow solve it. And I always say to my clients, you know, you're not going to, you're just going to end up like with a mosquito bite that you've itched and itched and itched and you end up with a bloody mess. You're not going to end up with a clear arm with no mosquito bite. It just doesn't really work like that. Mm, And it's it's better to be able, yeah, it's better to be able to just kind of stop that and recognize when you're doing it half the battle is recognizing that we're doing it and labeling it and giving it a kind of um a, a, a title almost yeah. a conscious thinking get your brain in gear and think ah, oh, this is what i'm doing and i recognize it because as soon as we do that we label it and we recognize it we're able to take away some of its power over us it doesn't feel quite so real anymore we, mm. we can almost have a laugh at ourselves you know one yeah. of the other thinking styles which is 
like that and really common within clients that I speak to is catastrophizing, which is where people go to the worst case scenario. If I do this launch and it goes wrong, I'm going to be blah, 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 homeless on the street. And and when we recognize we're doing that, it's almost funny. It's almost amusing. And that, again, takes strips away its power, strips away its real negative um, effect over us. Yep. Yep. I did that last week. I had too many opportunities on my plate. And I thought, what if I let everyone down? What if I ruin my reputation and take on too much and then not deliver anything? Um, I had to write it all down. Spoke to my mentor. He's like, you, just, you, you overthink things way too much. Come the, come the F down, mate. He's like, he doesn't sugarcoat things anyway. But, but that's the way I kind of needed to slap me back in reality. Um, how would you pull people out of that? Out of You said one way is to label it con- so it becomes conscious. But what happens if they still keep doing it? <laughs> I, I think just to keep practicing, keep okay. practicing your conversation, keep being kind to yourself. If you, if you repeatedly have a thought that's unhelpful, don't berate yourself for having that thought first and foremost, because that just puts you in a sort of shame spiral with mm. yourself. So that's, a, that's the first thing. Self-compassion, always number one. Number two is recognizing you're doing it and putting some kind of stop to it. And, and number three can be reframing it in a different light. So for example, when you are using your example of, mm. oh, I had so many great opportunities and my immediate overthinking went to, I'm going to let everyone down. What if you didn't? What if you excelled? Imagine mm. that, visualize that, write that down. Even give yourself the freedom to explore a positive eventuality because our brains are like these animalistic lizard brains and they will so yeah. easily veer to that negative. It's the like fear. second yeah. nature for them. The fear will just come so easily. We do have to be a bit more conscious and it's a bit more clunky to begin with about changing our direction. So it might be that you write something down, you speak to someone like you did who can give you that accountability, give you that reality check. If there isn't someone to speak to, you can self-coach. So you can think, mm-hmm. well, what would my best mate say? Or what would my mentor say? He's not here right now. What would he say if I was in this situation? Well, he'd probably tell me to pull myself together. He'd tell me to look at how well I've done to this point. And he'd suggest to me that there's no evidence that I'm going to screw everything up so badly that suddenly my reputation's going to be dirt. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for that little coaching sesh. I, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, make, makes, a little, uh, makes a lot more sense. Um, and in terms of self-sabotage, Okay, we've looked overthinking is one pillar. Are there any other common pillars that might occur that people aren't aware of? I think that people will have heard the buzzwords and they might have heard the big buzzword at the moment of imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. But often people don't understand how it's affecting them or how how it's showing up for them. So something that I talk about on a future podcast episode actually is a superwoman complex, which could also be a Superman complex, Mm -hmm. where we want to excel and succeed and do really, really well in all all areas of our lives. And because that's kind of impossible, we always feel therefore like we're falling short, like we're going to get found out or someone else is going to come towards us and say, do you know what? You don't have the credentials for this. You're not good enough. This is actually highly unlikely. Mm -hmm. But that sense of being an imposter in our own lives is such a self-sabotaging uh, zone to be in it really is really self-defeating so I think that's a really key one okay I'm also massively passionate about disrupting perfectionism and that's linked it's really they're all very interlinked but yep. as a recovering perfectionist myself I know the power of 
letting go of perfectionism and the real danger of perfectionism. I think it's something that we feel is really benign and actually perfectionism is so damaging because it's the number one cause I would say of people not trying, not giving it things a go, holding themselves back, playing small because they don't want to be out of step. They don't want to show that vulnerability that, oh, I launched this thing or I started this business and it didn't go quite right. They, yep. they want to almost get an A grade for everything, especially if they're alpha, if they've been really talented through their life, they've done really well at school. It's really confronting to suddenly have to face that, you know what, you're not going to get this right first time. And perfectionism actually doesn't exist, even if it seemed to at earlier points in your life. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting that you said that perfectionism is a big problem. Um, I actually did a personality test, a Myers-Briggs one. And oh, yeah. My one, one, ENFJ, we don't care about details. So uh, perfectionism isn't on my agenda. Thank goodness. I don't feel that. But imposter syndrome, good thing you brought up. I, I, I'm not discrediting everyone who's listening that perfectionism isn't a thing. But <clears throat> um, are you seeing that I want to touch on imposter syndrome in just a sec? But uh, are you seeing there's there's like a like a third or, or half or like how many people who come to you for help um, have issues with or challenges so to speak with um, imperfectionism? Well, it's interesting that you say that you don't have it. I wonder if we dug in a little bit, you might have it in some areas that you weren't aware of. And for example, and mm-hmm. again, <laughs> sorry to coach you, yeah, but yeah, when yeah. you said before about, you know, you want, you had the, if you got these clients and you suddenly feel overloaded and like you weren't going to perform to this fantastic ideal, that could be a bit of perfectionism creeping in. In terms of my own clients, the vast majority have perfectionist tendencies mm-hmm. and are managing that to a greater or lesser extent. And it shows up in their work. It shows up in their mothering. It shows up in their friendships or even, you know, helping the community. There's kind of this need yeah. to be the, to the perfect person trying to please. Absolutely. People pleasing and perfectionism are really, really closely aligned. Okay. Um, that, that's making more sense now. Um, yeah. I'm also ENFJ, by the way, and I definitely <laughs> used to be a perfectionist in some ways and not others. Like I can't show you my desk because it's too messy. I couldn't open my clothes cupboard because <laughs> it's mine. too messy. Yeah. But like, actually, I know that from an academic standpoint and from wanting to always excel in everything I do and kind of be the best, I definitely had perfectionist tendencies. And what's really freeing is when you strip those perfectionist tendencies away, it doesn't mean that you're gonna do rubbish work. It doesn't mean that you're not gonna strive to do your best, but it just takes away that incredibly unrealistic expectation that if you don't get something right first time, it's not worth doing. Uh, Are you saying the ENFJ or are you saying just people in, some people in general? People in general, but I was yeah. just pointing out that as yeah. an ENFJ, yeah. and I yeah. think yeah. it's yeah. very that good Myers Briggs type, <laughs> um, can also be perfectionist. So even though you might not have that attention to detail, which I really don't have great attention to detail either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we could, maybe, maybe, we you, comp- maybe you do. Maybe we can compare uh, oddities after the after the episode. <laughs> um, yeah, but one thing I uh, maybe I want to definitely touch on this quickly. Do you find it difficult to? Uh, to focus or sit down and finally focus at them. But when, when you do, it's just, no one can stop you. That's a really interesting question. It's something I've been thinking about quite a lot because three people in the last week have just randomly mentioned ADHD to me in passing, which has given me a slight complex. But I think that's because I'm balancing a lot of uh, balls at the moment. I'm really juggling a lot of different things. I do have a good focus when I need to have it. Um, I am able to 
hyper focus mm. and have that kind of um product productive 45 yeah. minutes and, and all yeah. that kind of thing um but what i find helps me with focus and something that again talk about with clients is i'm really good to myself about it i don't beat myself up if I have an unproductive day or an unproductive couple of hours because I know that's really counterproductive mm. I know that's really unhelpful um, so I don't kind of put a value judgment on focus I think it is something that I I've learned to do and I think you can learn tricks yes. of the trade to yes. do that but um, I don't have the sort of uh, ideal idealization of an amazingly focused productive day in fact yeah mm. my podcast this week is about um productivity and how productivity is not just about so it's not about time it's often about energy it's often about mindset it's often about self-compassion and equally productivity isn't necessarily about that perfectionist mm. focus or that perfect day okay. if that makes sense yeah yeah it does and, and it's interesting how you, how you mentioned the adhd thing um i've spoken with a few different podcasters I, I think it's just an entrepreneur thing that they tick off 19 out of 20 symptoms and it's very easy to start overthinking things when you when you start self-diagnosing. Um, but that's it's always found that <clears throat> I wanted to ask you about this thing as well. Maybe it's linked, maybe it's not. But when we start looking at uh, like say Myers-Briggs or we start looking at these other tests and we start labeling ourselves like, oh, that's me, is that is is that a form of self-sabotage? Because then they're limiting themselves of what they could of their potential, of their possible what's possible. I think you're right. You have to be really careful with the label that you give yourself. And some people will find or, or how you approach that label. Mm. Some people will label themselves proudly with the ADHD um, label. I actually did part of a doctorate, including ADHD years and years ago. And that's that might be really valuable for them. And it might explain a lot of their symptoms or their way of going through life. But we do have to be really aware of what we tell our brain and how we label ourselves. Yep. Something that I've talked about, and it's slightly tangential, but I think it's relevant, is um, kids, especially in the UK, where we haven't had, we've had quite a crazy COVID yes, situation. I heard in the UK it's been not that it, great. It's not been great. Um, <laughs> but we've I've read things that have talked about the COVID generation talking about kids and I, I've also seen counter arguments to that saying don't call these kids the COVID generation because they are absolutely listening to that label mm. and they don't need to be called that why don't we call them the remarkables because they've got through so much they've been so resilient they've like really that. sort of st steamed ahead in lots of cases they've my, my own kids have really recognized like the small things they're really grateful for so much stuff that they would have taken for granted two years ago so that power of the label and I think you know with kids it's important but actually with adults we can really mm. find that difficult too and I've spoken to a lot of female entrepreneurs and, and told them that story about kids and being not the COVID generation but the remarkables and I said let's reflect that back on ourselves because if we think about ourselves remarkable for having got through this for having dealt with something that no other generation has ever dealt with especially to the extent in our in our country then it can actually reframe things quite differently. And you can start to have that self-esteem boost and that bolstering of, I'm pretty resilient. I've done really well. Look what I've achieved despite yeah. everything else I've been dealing with. Yes, it's all about focusing more on the empowerment and the the, the positive rather than being like, oh, I, I'm, I fit into this category and therefore you leave with the bad. <laughs> yeah, that's it for me. I've got to go down this rabbit hole now of negativity. And yeah, absolutely. And I'm all for that sort of, edging towards the positive, looking for the positive in things. However, 
with a caveat that I'm really against toxic positivity. So I don't like it when people, well, toxic positivity, and this might seem strange from a certified positive psychology coach is anathema really to me, because it's where we pretend things are good or we do good vibes only or we say I'm only here for the kind of the the happy the happy emotions I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not willing to kind of engage with negative emotions and that uh, is like breaking our thermometer on life that's like saying I don't want to gauge how I'm doing I don't want to think about whether I'm angry whether I'm sad and what that means right You're I'm all about yeah I'm all about feeling your emotions and recognizing that things can be shit sometimes excuse mm-hmm. me you can swear um, to me Um, things can be they can be really rubbish and we should recognize that however that doesn't mean we have to set up camp in the rubbishness we can move away from that we can empower ourselves to think differently to think outside of the box and they're two very different things it's not denying that situation isn't difficult and Mm -hmm. obviously with everything that's gone on in the last year or so there's been some really tough stuff yeah but we get to choose that we don't stay there we don't literally kind of get our sleeping bag out and think right that's it i am i'm in the negativity now and i'm not getting out all right um and and on your podcast do you also give say strategy or like exercises or tactics people would use to help navigate some of these uh negative biases or toxic positivity traps people get stuck in yeah absolutely i always try and make sure that my podcast is quite actionable Mm -hmm. so i i usually start with some sort of description of what i'm talking about the topic that i'm talking about how it relates specifically to business owners Mm -hmm. on my on my podcast Mm -hmm. my other content can relate in in slightly different directions Um, and then i usually try and end with some actionable tips because i know that then that's something people can take away i love working with my clients one-on-one but i can't work with everyone and it really gives me a lot of pleasure to know that I'm helping people. I've had some fantastic feedback from people who've said I was having the worst day and I listened to your episode on self-care and suddenly I felt better. I felt like I had a bit of a plan for the rest of my week and I felt, you know, buoyed up by it. So that to me is amazing. I always try and give real value. I I, I obviously talk about my services and I mention, you know, if you want to work with me, this is what we do. It's really important, but 90% of it is content. It's very yeah. actionable and content. Yeah. yeah. And, and I've, I've had people in the past who've, who've wanted to work with me and they've said, oh, your fees are too high. And I said, well, you're super welcome to listen to my podcast. It's, you know, I'm now on 46, 45, 46 episodes. The content there alone is incredibly valuable. And if you listen to it all religiously, you're going to feel you're, better. You'll, you'll, you'll um, pick up something. Yeah. But that's, yeah. it's, it's like, I like that model. I do that as well. I know it's going off, off on a tangent, but um, I like to give away the farm too because it's, it's when you work, when you do do it yourself, <clears throat> it takes a lot of dedication and patience to get the results. But the smart people who invest uh, are the ones who realize when you work one-on-one with the, with a mentor, with the coach, it's like they're, they're giving you the shortcut basically. And that's what you're paying that extra money for. Um, 100% yeah I totally agree and I I know the value of working one-to-one I've worked one-to-one with the most amazing coaches and it's made without doubt I've been very fortunate I've worked with fantastic coaches without doubt each time it's zoomed me forward so much quicker than I could ever have done I've tried doing it by myself and it doesn't work or it works but it like you said it's more sluggish and the other thing which I think is super important is that accountability so just having someone say how am I going to know that you've done this and they say 
crikey, I, I have actually have to do this, don't I? I can't just push it onto my to-do list for the next week and the next month. So those two things combined, yeah, the speeding up, that kind of efficacy of, of working with someone else and the accountability is, yeah. is, you can't get that from listening to a podcast. And like you said, I'm not afraid to give away all my insights and tips because you don't get the magic of working one-to-one unless you choose to invest. And when you pay, you pay attention. I totally yeah. believe that. You know, it's actually kind of funny. I, I came up with a three-word line for this launch I did for recently for a client. Um, it was this, uh, the framework support and accountability to help you get the results fast. And then she only had a mini list of about 1,200 people and we got over 22 book calls. So I'm going to keep using that line um, because like like you said, people pay pay attention and it's it's all about Absolutely. getting that accountability to get people through it. Um, we're going off too much on a tangent. I want to bring it back towards you, Lucy. Um, and I know it's getting a bit late. So I wanted to quickly ask, you know, what, what are you focusing on the next six, 12 months inside your business? What's your vision? Well, it's a really exciting time for me in lots of different ways. I'm moving from the UK to Southeast Asia, which mm-hmm. is brilliant and really stretching my comfort zone, um, really enabling me to practice what I preach. And it's made me kind of recognize <clears throat> that I've been a very in a very comfortable position for you know five years. I've had young children, but then I've really been sort of yep. focused on my business, but I've had no major challenges other than the pandemic. Um, and <laughs> yep. so it's a real period, other than that small thing, it's been, it's a real period of growth for me. I'm also working more and more with organizations, which I'm loving. I'm running workshops. Mm-hmm. I'm getting to that kind of wider audience, which really I love as well as my one-to-ones um, coaching. So I've got huge plans in the pipeline. I also have plans for a second podcast, which will be more for business leaders, HR leaders and that kind of thing. And I have a burning desire to write a book and that's going to be something. Yeah, I've got a lot. One of my problems, maybe touched on what you were talking about earlier, is choosing what to focus on first and and recognizing I can't do it all Mm. but yeah I feel like I'm in a real period of transition and growth and going into I very much feel that I'm going into a new stage in both business in life in all things it feels really invigorating actually and exciting yeah that's really cool to hear now on your journey to Southeast Asia and maybe this maybe already answered all the questions so you've got working one-on-one, doing workshops, you've got the book. What's the one thing that, you know, you're a little bit afraid of that, you know, need to focus on in order to achieve all those goals? I think that's a really good question. I think fitting everything in without overdoing it. And again, taking Mm. my own medicine, because one of the things I talk about with my clients is not getting burnt out. It's so important. I'm absolutely passionate about it but recognizing when I need to stop, when I need to draw a line and when I need to say no and Mm -hmm. really have those boundaries. And we haven't really talked about boundaries, but that's something I talk about a lot with clients. And I know that because I've got a high threshold for busyness and a high threshold for hard work, that sometimes it can be really easy to ignore that even when I recognize how important it is. So definitely keeping my boundaries in place, keeping self-care as a priority, recognizing that living in Southeast Asia is not going to be as fun if I'm not going for a swim every now and then. And if I'm not, you know, enjoying those amazing travel opportunities, hopefully when things calm down. So yeah, recognizing that I do have a tendency towards overdoing it. You know, if I'm not careful and I'm 40 now, I want to really invest time and energy in my health in being Mm -hmm. the best that I can Mm -hmm. be and 
yeah, putting putting the brakes on sometimes as well as managing my ambition. So it's a it's a it's a difficult balance for all of us. Yeah. And who and who and um, who checks your so you don't get too busy? Is that your your partner or is that a, a like a diary sort of thing? Or is it just a gauge from everything in life telling you? It's a mixture. That's that's a great question as well. Yes, definitely talking with my husband is really valuable. I also work with several coaches. Mm-hmm. I would say I have one coach who keeps me accountable, keeps me moving forward, keeps me checking off those great kind of goals and really being action focused. And I have another coach who helps me check in more on the work-life balance, on the self-care, on the boundaries. So working again, that accountability and that one-on-one attention from someone mm-hmm. who understands what you're doing is absolutely in your zone of kind of influential people that you want to be around but can help you with both sides of things and yeah absolutely my husband is really supportive so it, it's a it's a kind of conversation that you have to keep having with yourself and with that absolute inner circle of people that you trust and know will have your best interests at heart yeah ab- absolutely i completely agree so Lucy, uh, where's the best place to find you online? Um, you got your podcast, Self Sabotage to Success, but if you've got any other event coming up or you want to su- promote something for a little bit, then more than welcome to share my audience with it. Thank you so much. And thank you so much to everyone for listening. It's been lovely chatting with you. Um, the podcast is always the best place to catch me. And that's, as I said, every Wednesday, uh, early hours of the UK, early hours GMT. Um, so one's dropping in a couple of hours now from when we're recording and the other place you can find me is I'm on Instagram at Lucy Orton coach I'm on LinkedIn just Lucy Orton and that's where you'll find me for the organizational work that I do and I'm just generally quite busy on social media I'm often showing up working for um, other networks other entrepreneur groups i'm in Mm. a conference in november so i'm always kicking around (laughs) on social media i was on clubhouse quite a lot but as work has become so busy and the move and everything i'm not doing it as much as i was but i do absolutely love clubhouse whenever i get a chance to go on it i have to follow up about clubhouse everyone keeps saying get on it but um it's amazing but it is you have to be really um yeah it's a total time so you have to be really intentional about it um and you know it's just real time you can't speed it up (laughs) you can't skim read it it just is what it is but and I don't know whether it's star is waning but as an audio fan like yourself it's a really nice form of of social media I think exactly hey Lucy thank you so much for coming on the show today thank you thanks so much for having me it's been brilliant Hey, thank you so much for listening all the way to the end of this episode. If you did enjoy it, go leave a review on iTunes. And now they've made it so much easier if you listen on Spotify because you can leave a review on Spotify. Pretty cool, hey? But if you're a podcaster, I've got something cool to announce. You can now interview me for your podcast very, very easily. I've set up a a new domain where you can simply go to the website, uh, book in a time, and I'd be more than happy to drop some value for your audience so uh, some of the, some of the podcasts that I've been on that might interest you if this is up your alley so things like how to do a six-figure email launch or what comes after a Facebook ad in the email sequences I've done over 1.3 million sales for my clients the last two years and I'm, I'm super pumped to share these nuggets with uh, you and your audience so if you are interested in that that just sounded like gibberish if you're interested in that go head over to interviewjules.com 
and you can find a time with me right there. All you got to do is just select a time on Calendly and uh, or have all the details there. But other than that, if you're interested, you got your own podcast, you want to get me on the show, go to interviewjewels.com. How it's spelled, interviewjewels.com, and go book in time. I'll see you there.